Once again, I'm uh, sitting in my room like a weirdo talking into my phone. Episode 51, Life and Times of Yours Truly, Part 2. Um, I didn't think I was going to do a Part 2, um, but the response to Part 1 was... I was, uh, I was very surprised at the feedback that I got. Um, and it was all positive, um, which was really cool. Um, I'm gonna, uh, I'm, uh, I'm gonna pretty much pick up, like, if, uh, if, if, if you're listening to this and you didn't hear episode 49, I suggest you go back. Because some of this stuff that I'm going to start talking about in time timeline wise, it's not going to make sense. So if you go back and listen to 49 and then throw this on, you know, it'll, uh, it'll be, you know, make some sort of sense, I guess. Who knows? Um, but, um, yeah. But before I start, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get this over with now. Go to Instagram. Go to Blast Furnace Productions on Instagram and hit the link in that bio. And then from there, you'll have access to every single link where you can find the podcast. Okay. So just go to Blast Furnace Productions on Instagram, hit that link. And that's all you need to do. Instead of going all over the place to Facebook and this, that, the other thing. Just one link. It's like one-stop shopping for you. You're welcome. All right. Um, so I'm going to pick up... Um, I'm going to pick up in 1995. All right. Jimmy Ferrari is 20 years old. In 95. Turned 21. In September of 95. No. I'm a fucking retard. 96 I turned 21. (laughs) Wow. Listen. Listen to me. I'm having my first cup of coffee right now. Okay. So bear with me. I got shit to do later. So I'm doing this now. And uh, I put it out there on social media that, listen, I'm going to record this today, and that's what I'm going to do. I try to stick to my word. Try. All right. Enough of all the bullshit. Um, Pick up in 95. I'm 19. (laughs) Um, All right. I was drinking heavily 
big time. Um, there was uh, there was one point I was living in Howard Beach at the time. Uh, my sister was still living at home. Uh, my stepfather. Oh well, you know what? Yeah, this is uh, this is this is actually where I'm going to start. Same time frame, same year, but I did not touch on this before. But it sheds a little light on character. Um, I had no idea I was going to talk about this, but you see how you see how shit happens. All right, so living in Howard Beach, sister's still there. Obviously, my mother is there. My stepfather is still there. Um, I was leaving my house one day because see, see now my my stepfather's line of work you know if you listen to 49 you probably figured out what he does um there was one time where i was driving with him we were on the bell parkway going somewhere or coming from somewhere i don't remember exactly what we were doing but we were driving on the bell parkway just me and him and he starts looking in his rearview mirror and he's like nah he's like watch this like, uh, all right. So he kind of like pulls off onto the shoulder of the Bell Parkway. And like four cars later or three cars later, it was like an unmarked fucking detective car or cop car or some shit. And he's like, see, see this shit. And he starts following them. He's like, they follow me all the time. So, and also around that time, I'd be on the phone, like I mentioned my boy Danny a lot the last time, but uh, he probably remembers. Um, I'd be on the phone with him, because this is before cell phones, so I'd be on the phone with him bullshitting, and you would hear clicking in the line. So there is 100%, it's it, 100% that our phones in Howard Beach were tapped, big time, because it all came out in any way, you know, because uh, I was leaving the house one morning, and I was going to Boston for the weekend, and uh, I didn't have my license at the time, and uh, it was suspended or some shit, and I'm leaving the house, it's like, it's like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, and I called the car service, this is before fucking Uber. Right, so I call the car service and to take me to the train station so I can take the train so I can take the train to Port Authority and I jump on a Greyhound bus and I go to Boston. Um, so I leave my house. It's still dark out. I have like a, a weekend duffel bag in my hand and get into the cab and you know don't fucking know anything. You know, no reason to think anything. By the time I get to Boston, when I went there. Uh, the person I went there uh, to go see, they're like, Jim, uh, you need to sit down. I'm like, what's up? Like, your mother called me. I'm like, okay. He's like, your house was raided and your father was arrested. I'm like, oh, no shit. So it turns out, uh, just to skip, you know, obviously, because a little bit of time passed before I found out all the details. Um, when I left the house, you see, the week before this, Ronnie Cigars was in Florida on quote-unquote business, and uh, 
there was like a thing, like a whole fucking an operation, I guess, to uh to like take him down. I guess it sounds fucking nuts, but yeah, you could you could you could actually Google this, and the article is still up on the internet. Um, so when I'm I'm leaving the house, and they wait they waited. They they found out that he was in Florida, so they waited to make their move. So he had come back from Florida, and I guess it was a couple of days later is when I left the house. So now, I didn't realize, because it's dark out, there was unmarked cars, FBI, cops, all up and down my block, just sitting in cars. Like, there was, there was like six of them, like, down, like, within, like, a two-block stretch. And who the fuck, you know, and... and who the fuck, you know, it's dark out. You don't see fucking, you know, it's not like they have their cars running and shit. So I get in the cab and I leave and they, I guess that's when they kind of made their move because they knew that there was some kind of motion in the house of some sort. So my mother had told me that uh, at first they rang the doorbell. I guess they were kind of respectful because they didn't break the actual door down. They didn't smash it in. But um, they rang the bell at first. And my mother thought, ah, asshole, fucking what do you forget? You know, because she knew I was leaving in the morning. But no. But then it turned out that I knew that, that I found out that Ronnie Cigars, he kind of knew in the back of his head, like, shit was going to go down soon. So my mother explained it to me how... There was a bunch of feds outside screaming and yelling, screaming and yelling. They had badges up against the glass, up against the glass in the door. And uh, she was stalling them so that he can run past her and go try to hide shit. And uh, he did. And then they wound up coming in and, and they raided the house and they found a safe in the house and they found a fucking a nine millimeter handgun and like $80,000 in cash and all this stuff. You, you can Google, if you, you Google his name and you type in Howard Beach Daily News, it, it's all up there. There's quotes from him and everything. Um, so, yeah, so that happens and he winds up, he was, he was facing, at first it was like six to 18 years and then it got reduced to, I think uh, I, I think he wound up getting it all the way down to serve to to do two to six, and he wound up doing eighteen months, and he was out. But around this time was around the time where I was joining the Air Force. So, um, right right before right before all this, like I started off with, I was drinking a lot, and uh, there was a party that I guess well, it was always a fucking party. But there was a get-together in my house in Howard Beach. I don't think my parents, I don't know where my parents were on vacation or something like that. And um, I, it's definitely a regional thing. Um, a lot of my East Coast, Northeast Coast friends will know what I'm talking about. There was this shit. They might even still have it. I have no idea. But there was this shit called Cisco. And it was like, I guess it was like wine, I guess, but it was like, it wasn't fucking wine. Like, I was a heavy drinker and I had a crazy tolerance, but like, you drink Cisco and it's fucking lights out. 
So I remember I was drinking Berry Cisco. And uh, I don't know, obviously we were smoking pot and probably eating Valiums and fucking whatever. But I remember I woke up the next morning on my stepfather's office floor in the house. And make a long story short, I wound up going to the hospital and uh, they didn't know what the fuck was wrong with me. So uh, basically, they fucking, they gut me like a fish to see what was going on. It's called like an exploratory laparoscotomy. Hey, look at that, huh? I got that out fucking good. Sound like a smart guy. So, uh, yeah, so they opened me up to see what was going on. And it turned out that I had acute pancreatitis. And one of the doctors was like, all right, well, you have acute pancreatitis and there's only two causes for this. This is what he's telling me. He's like, one is gallstones and you don't have any gallstones. Two is heavy alcohol use. And he's like, dude, you're 19 years old. He's like, I haven't seen somebody have acute pancreatitis at 19 ever. He's like, this shit happens to people in their like late 40s and 50s. So that's just to give you an idea of how much I was fucking putting them away. Um, it could also just be, you know, everybody is different, of course. You know, like people's tolerance, people's bodies react different ways and whatever. You know, somebody you, you, you've heard of somebody who's 90 years old and then smoked since they were fucking 15 and they're still smoking and they're fine. But, you know, then again, somebody could smoke for five years and get cancer and, you know, tap out. So it could be a little bit of that, too. But regardless, I was drinking heavy. So I wound up going to the hospital and... I was in there for like nine days and I was sitting in there and there was a guy to my left who was in the same room with me and he had like a half a foot because he blew his fucking foot off like fucking around with his gun or cleaning his gun or some shit. I barely remember talking to him because I had gotten out of surgery and uh, I was all fucked up. But this, this see, this, this was my fucking addictive mentality at the time i'm in the hospital and they had me on like the morphine drip and the nurse was like listen i come out of the you know out of recovery and all that shit i'm in my room and she's like listen if you if you know if you're feeling pain you know just click this once and or once or twice and you should be fine you know but don't you know don't overdo it blah 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 because I guess it wasn't regulated or whatever at the time. Now I think it is. But uh, I'm in there and I'll never forget it. The only thing I really remember is I was like, wow, this shit feels fucking really fucking good. Because I feel no pain and they just got me like a fish. I have a fucking a six inch fucking incision from above my belly button and below it. Fucking went into my guts. And I'm laying in the hospital all fucked up, but I feel nothing. So I remember clicking it and I was watching Sanford and Son on the fucking TV in the hospital. And I'm clicking and clicking. And I was like, all right, click, click. Click, click, click. Click, 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 click. And next thing you know, I wake up. And there's fucking all kinds of shit hanging out of my arms. There's a fucking mask, like an oxygen mask over my face. All kinds of shit. Basically, 
I like OD'd in the fucking hospital. <laughs> okay, I OD'd in the hospital, and the guy who had the half a foot was the one who like called in the fucking you know, the fucking, you know, the doctor or whatever, and they, like, reversed all the effects or whatever, and then they were like, you know what, you, you can't have this fucking, you can't have this morphine drip, you're getting shots of Demerol now, so I'd be getting shots of Demerol, but then I'd be harassing the fucking nurses for more Demerol, go figure, who the fuck knows, but I never fucking, but I never did heroin in my life on the street, so, I don't know. But I kind of get it. I kind of get the feeling of why people get all fucked up on that. Thank God. Thank God that shit was never in my circle for some reason. Or else, because if it was in like the mid-90s, if it was in my circle, I would have did it. Because, you know, I would fucking do anything with a garbage head. So, um, so after all of that, um, I wind up... That 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 surgery, it it postponed me joining the Air Force by six months, because I went down to the in processing place, and you know they they do a whole physical and all that, and I was like yeah you know I just had you know surgery blah 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 and I had just made the cut because it was a little bit past six months that I went there so I just made it by like three days or some crazy shit like that. So uh, I wound up joining the service. And then, okay. All right, so that's March. All right, so my surgery was November of 95. I wound up joining the Air Force May. May of 96, I think. I think it was May of 96. Um. So, fuck. Um, yeah, May of 96, I go in. Uh, I don't remember the exact process, but obviously I went to like the recruiting station and then I got on a plane, flew out of like Newark to San Antonio uh, to some airport over there. I guess it was, I don't know, San Antonio airport or some shit. I don't know. A fucking airport in South Texas. Um, so I wind up going there, and you know all the you know the Air Force people, the the, the people who pick you up, whatever. They're they're in the airport, and they round us all up, and uh, we get on buses, and we go, and it's probably about a forty-five minute to an hour ride. Um, while we're on the bus. They tell you, listen, if you have anything on you, any kind of drugs, any even cigarettes, lighters, matches, any kind of contraband like that, get rid of it, get rid of it. Um, I didn't have anything funky on me. I had a brand new pack of Marlboro. That's all I had and a lighter. And I remember, <laughs> it's funny, the little stupid things you remember. But I remember I was sitting at the back of the bus, and once we got to the base, they told us, listen, here's a garbage can. This is your last chance. So I remember I had my nose stuck 
to the cigarettes. Like the lid was open and my nose was, I was smelling the fucking filters of the cigarettes as I was walking down the, the middle of the aisle to the front. And I smelled them all the way until the front until I threw them in the garbage can. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that so vividly, but I do. Um, so we all get off the bus. Now I'm looking rough, man. I have like Timberlands on, big baggy ass carpenter jeans fucking Yankee hat on, long hair on the top, fucking goatee, 1995 fucking New York shit, um, so we get off, I have a bag of, you know, a bag of clothes, whatever the fuck we were supposed to bring, and we all get off, and we're underneath this big overhang, and we're standing there, and we're kind of in, in columns, kind of in rows, now, there's probably, I don't know, maybe about 10 people in front of me, maybe two or three behind me. And, uh, like, past the people in front of me, you could see a couple of doors that wound up being the doors to the, um, to, like, the chow hall. But at the time, I had no, had no fucking idea where I was. This was, like, it was probably about 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning at this point. So, um, what happens is... Everything is fucking quiet. Everything is quiet. And then uh, they, the, the, the drill instructors, they wore taps on their fucking, uh, on their boots, on the bottoms of their boots. So we're all standing there. Next thing you know, you hear tap, tap, tap in the distance, a couple of them. And then you hear a whole shitload of them. And then, I mean, they've done this a million times. So they had it all coordinated perfectly. So as soon as like four of them rounded the corners of the building was the exact same time that like another four of them kicked open the doors that were ahead of me. And they just fucking stop bum rushing everybody. <laughs> now, like I said in episode 49, I have a problem holding a straight face. <laughs> Yeah, um, they fucking just bum rush, and there's no rhyme or reason. They just run up to the first person they see and just start barking on them. The typical shit that you actually see in the movies. Like, Full Metal Jacket, fucking R. Lee Ermey, he ruled. It, that's, that's a fucking drill instructor. Oh, obviously, because he was in real life, but that's a fucking drill instructor. Except nowadays, they can't hit you, they can't touch you. Um... But, yeah, flipping out, blah, 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 fucking one guy, one dude, he was, like, two people ahead of me and, like, to the column to my left. So he was at, like, the 2 o'clock position of where I was standing. And I'm just looking. I'm not really moving around. I'm just moving my eyes because you're supposed to stand there. So I'm looking, and there's, there's this one big motherfucker, the one big drill instructor, and he's flipping out, and he's cursing him out and he's screaming and yelling and the, the dude starts crying like legit crying and then once if you cry it's a wrap for you like you're done because then he just he was like oh what's the matter you miss your mommy and all this shit it was crazy now i'm thinking in my head like i said in the last episode what the fuck am i doing here man like 
This is a bunch of bullshit, man. They got a bunch of redneck fucking dudes balking all over the place. Everyone shut up. Like, ridiculous. <laughs> so, so that night, everything is fucking fine. Um, you know, every, every, everything comes to a close. We all eventually, I mean, we get, you know, shit thrown at us. Like, I think it was like a jacket for like the first like four or five days. You're still wearing your civilian clothes. Um, so I think they, they throw you like a canteen and a belt and like a jacket. And so you look like a bunch of assholes for like the first week. Because you'd be like marching and you're a mess. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. So you're all fucking out of step and you just look like a bunch of fucking a gang of retards. And and you're wearing like 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 yo, I was wearing like a fucking I'm in Texas and it's hot and I'm wearing a blue fucking Adidas fucking sweatshirt and and like a pair of fucking shell top adidas and like fucking all like all my timberlands and fucking baggy jeans with a fucking camouflage canteen and a camouflage jacket on with my hair do was all over the fucking place because they didn't shave our heads yet and you can't wear a hat oh it was a shit show so you look like a whole bunch of like hobos walking around for the first week but um as soon as we go upstairs that first night he basically, you just, everything is so chaotic because that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to try to break you down and confuse you and see how you react to all that shit. So they tell you, you know, you go into the barracks, into A Bay and B Bay, and uh, you go, ch you fucking, you, you go, you know, grab a bed. So once I fucking, once we got in there, of course, just my fucking luck. My bed is exactly right across from the drill instructor's office. So there's a light beaming right right from his fucking door right onto my corny-ass twin-size fucking Air Force bed. Right there. I'm right in the front. Fucking, if he looks up for his desk, he can see me fucking sleeping. The light is on me. I'm like, this sucks. Right? So... I eventually, I don't even know if I really fell asleep. If I did, it was for like 15 minutes, you know what I mean? Because it's just, how the fuck are you sleeping, you know? There's dudes whimpering and crying in their beds and shit. I'm just like, yo, man, this is fucking retarded right now. So, um, I think I fell asleep. I might have just for a little bit, just because of just actual just exhaustion. Um, but then, of course, I wake up. Now, in the last episode, in 49, I mentioned that there was a guy, Staff Sergeant Yankovic. That's this guy. Um, I wake up to my fucking feet being at like a 30 degree angle and then smashing down to the floor. Because this fuck picked up the fucking the footboard portion of the bars on the bed and lifted it up and just dropped it. And then fucking from there, he picks up like just like in the fucking movies, man. He picks up a fucking metal garbage can and a fuck. I don't know what was on with like a hammer or a wrench or something. And he's just fucking smashing this fucking garbage can. Now you see all these fucking guys. <coughs> We, like, just fucking fell asleep. It was chaos a little while ago. 
Now you see all these fucking people, and everyone's bumping into each other. No one's taking a fucking, you, you don't even know where the bathroom is to take your morning piss. Nothing. So it was hectic for a couple of days. Um, then you kind of get used to all that shit. Um, and then it gets it gets easier and easier. But Yank, but Staff Sergeant Yank, my cock. You, know, you see what I did there? Because he's a jerk off. He was he was always a dick. But uh, there was some shit that happened. See, see, because I fucked up. <laughs> of course I did. Why wouldn't I fuck up? Especially then. Um, there was this thing that we used to have to call. We have to pull. It was called dorm guard. And everybody in the whole flight, like in, in the army, you know, it's a platoon or whatever. But in the air force, it's a flight. Um, but everybody in the flight does it and it's a rotating thing. And basically what you do is somebody knocks on the door to the barracks. You have to open up like the little fucking peephole thing, ask them for ID, even if you know who they are, it's all security shit. You know what I mean? It's, you know, if you, for whatever fucking reasons and war and whatever, but you open up the thing and you have to ask for ID. And then sometimes it's a drill instructor and they try to fuck with you. And they'll put up a fake ID. And if you don't read it and read it back to them and they get in, like, that's your ass. Because that's like, a, you know, obstruction of security and in real life situation, you know, you can get everyone killed and, you know, all that kind of shit. It's all this fucking psychological shit. So there was one day. It was, This was like a month in. Yeah, it was like a month in. And uh, if, if it was a female... Only female drill instructors were allowed to go into a male barracks, into a male fucking, you know, to the thing. So we had, I had, what happened was, ah, fuck, no, wait, wait, I'm fucking up, I'm fucking up. We had, all right, hold that thought, because then I, I just fucked myself up, my bad. We had inspections, some kind of inspections. And there was the fucking, like, my drill instructor's boss. His name was, like, Master Sergeant Kodra, K-O-D-R-A. And he was a motherfucker. Like, anytime Kodra was around, everybody was like, fuck, man. Everyone be on your fucking P's and Q's because this guy's going to snap out. So I'm alone in the fucking dorms, in the barracks. And he's doing, like, this fucking pop-up inspection. Now... There's these things called blousing straps. Now, it's like, all right, picture some dude in the army or in the, in the military, and they have their boots, and then right above their boots is where their pants start. Right up the, at that line, there's a thing. It's just basically like a rubber band with a hook on it that you fucking put around your leg, and you cuff your fucking pants underneath it so it keeps your pants that way. They're called blousing straps. So I had a pair of blousing straps and a can of fucking can of shaving cream, which is supposed to be down in your security locker, in your security drawer on your locker, locked up. Me like a dick. I'm like fucking lackadaisical, fucking Jimmy asshole. And I fucking have it sitting right there in my fucking wall locker next to blousing straps. Bro, this fucking Kodra dude snaps the fuck out, bugs the fuck out, and fucking screams my name. And I wind up getting my fucking, for when I graduate, I wind up getting my fucking, uh, whatchamacallit, my, uh, it's like, uh, 
my base liberty. Like you're you're able to leave the base for like an entire day. Your family flies down for your graduation. I wind up getting that shit pulled and reduced down to four hours of base liberty time where I could just walk around with my family just for four hours on base and not leave the base all day long. That was the consequence of leaving out my shaving cream and blouse and straps from this fuck Kodra. Okay. So now I fucking now I'm like sucking my teeth at this guy and he's fucking flipping out. So I wind up getting recycled. I wind up going one bit because of my attitude. I wind up going back one week in training. Okay, so let's just say I was on week five. I go back to week four with a different fucking drill instructor and a different flight. All new. All because of shaving cream and blouse and straps. Okay? Because I didn't pay attention to detail. That was their thing. So I'm like, fuck. So now I wind up going to this next flight. And the drill instructor was cool. Staff Sergeant Rauschenberger. Mad fucking cool guy. At first... Yeah, he has to be a little bit of a dick. But I could see right through him that he was cool. Yank my cock was a fucking... He was just like a little fucking asshole with the fucking complex, you know? Um, so Rauschenberger was mad cool. I wound up meeting him in the fucking chow hall. I had to go report to him. And he looks me up and down. And he had like kind of half of a smile on his face. He's like, oh, so you're Ferrari, huh? You're the guy with the mouth. And I, and, and as soon as he said that, like, I'm ripping my cheeks apart, trying not to laugh. I'm like, so, yes, sir. <laughs> so, uh, he's like, all right, all right. So, make a long story short with that, a couple, it was like, like a week or two later, back to dorm guard. I'm pulling dorm guard. And now there was Staff Sergeant Rauschenberger, and we had two other drill instructors that were like, they were called team members. So I had the main guy, and then if he wasn't there, one of the other two would take over. One was a female. Senior airman messing. Couldn't stomach her. Couldn't stomach her. So I'm pulling dorm guard one day, and I'm the only person in the dorm. I don't know where everybody else was. They were doing, they were doing something. And someone knocks on the door. I open it up. It's senior airman messing. So now... Everything is all protocol when it comes to everybody with their ID or some shit. But if it's a female, right before you open the door, you have to announce female entering the dorm. Especially if it's a male dorm. You have to let everybody know. Me, my fucking head up my ass. I do everything right. And then I open the fucking door. And she looks at me. And she's like... Well, stupid. <laughs> and I look down at her and I roll my eyes, of course, and I go, oh, yeah. And I half-assed, lackadaisical go, female enter in the dorm. <laughs> so she's like, give me a 341. Now, a 341 is a discrepancy form. And you have to keep four, I think, three of them folded in your pocket at all times. And if you fuck up... The drill instructor asks for it, you get it pulled out, and then if you get three pulled, then you go back another week in training. Thank God I didn't fucking get three in a pull, but she pulled one. And that just also fucking tacked on, you know, the reason for me not to have the fucking, the, you know, the, the thing we were allowed to have when we fucking graduate. So, uh, yeah, there was a couple of times, though, like, like we'd be running. 
<laughs> I just recently told this story to a guy I work with. Um, we'd be running, and uh, if I don't know what the fuck I did. Uh, I, maybe I cut somebody off, but there's like there's everybody in the whole squadron is running at the same time. So there's like fucking 200 fucking people running like this huge path, like this huge street on the base. And there was one day, I don't know what I did. Maybe I cut somebody off. I don't know. I don't know what I did. It was bullshit. I was talking or cursing. I don't know. But there was another drill instructor, and you didn't really realize because they're also wearing the same shit as you. So there was another drill instructor running with us, not mine, but just another one from somewhere else in one of the squad, you know, in the squadron. And he fucking looks at me and he's like, give me a 341. And I'm like, no. And I fucking start hightailing it now. And I get lost in the crowd. It's like this guy could have chased me, but he didn't really. He chased me for a little bit. But I fucking turned it on, man, and I got lost because everybody looks identical. We're all wearing the same shit. Every dude has a shaved head. I didn't have tattoos really yet. I had a few, but they weren't visible. You know, they weren't on my forearms or hands or anything yet. So I blended right the fuck in. Fuck you and your 341. I'm not fucking going. Well, I'm going to go back another week in training because I said, I don't know, I called someone an asshole maybe. Fuck out of here. So... But boot camp was actually after after about f a month of training. It was fun. It it, it, it was actually kind of cool because my drill instructor was cool, and uh, yeah. So I wind up graduating <coughs> and then going to uh, Shepherd Air Force Base, which I touched on last time, to be a jet engine mechanic. Um, that was cool, uh, but I hated school. Like I hated the whole study portion of it. Um, and and once we got there, it was like running and stuff really wasn't mandatory. You were kind of supposed to, but we would fucking we would scheme. I'd be like, "Fuck that, man!" Like I don't have to fucking run. I'm trying to get away out of it. So I would have like my roommate. Like we would lock each other like in a closet. Like we had these big ass fucking closets. So, but they, but like they would be like like the little rats. Like they would be like the rat dorm gods who would have to like their job would be like to check everyone's room, and uh, they would fucking like check rooms. And if you were sleeping still, like you know you'd get in trouble and shit. So fuck that. I'm not fucking getting caught. So we would we would like alternate days, and we would fucking lock each other in the fucking closet. Which is ridiculous. Like, yo, if there was a fire in the building, you were trapped in the closet because you asked to be, and now now you burn. And you deserve it because you're an idiot. Like, we did that shit just so we didn't have to run. Um, so, there's not really, really talk about too much about, you know, tech school. Um, obviously, obviously, I wasn't drinking during boot camp, and you weren't smoking. So, about, maybe about a week into tech school, I decided, all right, well, we're allowed to drink. So I'm going to go over and I'm going to go to the bar and I'm going to get a couple of beers. I drank like three beers and, and it was, it was like, I was, it was almost like the first time I ever drank. I got so fucking hammered and sick because my body was actually healthy from, you know, seven weeks of boot camp or whatever it was. And my body was just like, what the fuck are you doing? And it fucked me up. But then it didn't really matter because I was, you know, the, the next day I felt a little bit, all right, I'll, maybe I'll just drink two beers now. And the next thing you know, my tolerance was right back up. But that initial fucking, you know, that initial start to drinking again wasn't good. Um, should have been a sign. I'm an idiot. Um, 
So we go through all that shit. Um, then I go home on leave and I celebrate my 21st birthday. I was home for a couple weeks. Then I go to Cannon Air Force Base, New Mexico. Um, yeah, blah, 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 all that. Um, which I hated that place. Um, there was a kid, his name was Ellis. I was I was sitting there. This is when I was I was kind of kind of like definitely much more into sports than I am now. Like I haven't watched a fucking game in years. But um, I was I'm a big Yankee fan. Well, I was. Now I can get two shits. But um, I was a big Yankee fan. And I, the Yankees were playing the the Atlanta Braves, and uh, I'm sitting in this place called Amici's. It was like a pizzeria slash bar on the base, and I'm just solo. I was hanging out by myself, and I have a pitcher of beer in front of me and a glass, and I'm sitting there and watching the game, and uh, I had a, a Yankee jersey on, and all of a sudden, from, from behind me, I hear, yo, man, is, is, that a, is that a sick of an old dragon on the back of your neck? I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm on an Air Force base in, like, this little rinky-dink fucking bar pizzeria thing i turn around and there's my boy alice black skinhead dude from washington dc like what the fuck man what are you doing like i never met this guy before but obviously right there it's like we had a bond you know what i mean so crazy hardcore kid knows fucking everything about everything knows everybody about everyone it's you know it was cool it was a small world shit um, so we, we, we hung out a lot and there was, there was a bunch of people I used to hang out with. Um, and I, I really didn't get into too much trouble. Like I got a couple of, you know, trouble for like bouncing checks on purpose because we, we got paid shit and there was a lot of drinking to do. So it, it was, it was like, we got paid. It was like, it was like uh, or some shit like that. Like every two weeks, like it was, it was like slave labor. But everything else was paid. You know, you obviously didn't have to pay rent. And you didn't, have to, you know. But it wasn't a lot. Um, so yeah, there's really not that much to really talk about about Canon, um, except that you know it was fucking, it was terrible. Like there was, there was besides the bar on base and the drinking you could do in your room amongst friends, there was like two bars or three bars. One was called the Clovis City Limits, which was a huge fucking hillbilly fucking shit-kicking bar, which I was in it several times because if a bunch of people were going, I would just go just to go and get off the base, but I would hate it in there. I can give two shits about fucking 14 people in a row fucking line dancing to some fucking hillbilly twanging fucking music. I, I fucking hated it. There was a place called Kelly's, um, which was cool. And there was the Mabry Bar. The Mabry Bar was this little hole in the wall, like off the side of the fucking road. Looked like it would be in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But that bar ruled. Um, yeah, I mean, Clovis was pretty much, eh, nothing really going on there. But then I got orders to go to Elmendorf, and that's when I got in trouble, um, which I, I talked about on episode 49, when, when I got ratted out because of the kid with the dirty piss. Um, then I went home, obviously, and then uh, all that other fucking shit happened. You know, on the lamb from my fucking stepfather and all that stuff like that. So, kind of caught up with that whole thing. Um, 
Then obviously I'm still I'm drinking like a fucking animal because in 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 Alaska I was a fucking savage. Um, so once I got back home, yeah, I was drinking like a maniac again. Then Fourth of July weekend, two thousand and one, my stomach started fucking with me just like the same way it was in November of ninety five before I had surgery. So I kind of knew I'm like my stomach is fucked again. So make a long story short, I wind up going back into the hospital. Fourth of July weekend, 2002, 2001, my bad. And uh, they wound up opening up the same fucking, the same incision. And what was happening, sounds gross and crazy, but this is so long ago, I'm so used to it now. But um, they wound up going through the same scar. What was happening was on the inside, there was scar tissue that was growing on the inside of the scar that wound up growing and kinking my small intestine, kind of like a hose. So what they had to do was they fucking, they went in and they removed all the scar tissue and they had to, <laughs> it sounds fucking bananas, but they had to cut out, they cut six inches, which I mean, it's like fucking, I don't know how, it's like a football field long of your small intestine. But they cut out six inches of my small intestine and re-sewed it back together and then sewed me back up. So I don't know how many hundreds of internal stitches, but then there was like, I don't know, maybe 25 staples on the outside. But I was back in the hospital again. But at this time, the, the fucking morphine was regulated, so I couldn't fucking OD like a jerk off in the hospital. Yeah, go to the hospital and get fixed up and die on the fucking bed because you're an idiot OD on drugs. <laughs> like, what the fuck? But um, I wound up signing myself out after like nine days. I wasn't having it. I was fine. Um... But then they, they told you, you listen, you need to stop drinking, blah, 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 go home, take it easy, take a week off of work, this, that, and the other thing. And I remember vividly, I got home and I had a huge bag of laundry. It was like 65 pounds of laundry. Now, I'm not supposed to be doing anything. I could hardly, like, I, I'm shuffling because my whole fucking center of my body is ripped apart. Like, literally, I could hardly really walk. You, you, you'd be surprised with the fear that, get, that that you fucking have if you feel a sneeze coming on, if you have a fucking, uh, like an abdominal fucking surgery. Like, all that shit hurts. But I'm fucking shuffling in my apartment. I'm like, oh, fuck, man. I have like a whole bunch of laundry I forgot about that I have to bring up to the laundromat a block and a half up. So what do I do? I pick it up and I fucking put it on my shoulder and I walk all the way down the block with this big bag of laundry and I drop it off. And then on my way back, what do I do? You guessed right. I stopped at the fucking bodega and I got a couple of six packs of fucking Heineken's and I sat in my house and I drank beers with fucking staples and fucking stitches and everything. Jerk off move. Just stupid. I mean, nothing happened to me, but what the fuck are you doing, Jim? You know? Crazy. So, uh, yeah. So that's when, yeah, at that time, my ex-girlfriend was already thrown out of that apartment. Um, and this was right before I wound up, like I touched on episode 49, I wound up getting a job in Rockaway. And I was like taking the bus from Brooklyn to Rockaway, summer of 2002. Um and then shit started, and then I got sober a little bit for a few months, and I wound up getting my own apartment on West 10th, 
And then I wound up going to rehab. Rehab. It was bananas. All right. I go to my sister's apartment because she knew I was fucking in bad shape. So I go to her apartment and she's like, Jim, you have to do something. I was like, I know. She's like, how about day top? I'm like, uh, what do you think? She makes phone calls. I make a couple phone calls, set up an appointment. All right, I'm going to day top. Voluntarily, cool. Well, not cool. I mean, my situation was fucked. Um, so I wind up on the morning of, it's ironic, April Fool's Day, 2004. Um... I have nothing. I have, I have the, actually the night before, well, the, yeah, the night before I went to rehab, my sister gave me like 20 bucks. Um, and right before that I had this big fucking sick black leather recliner that I wound up buying while I was in Alaska in the air force. My room was all pimped out. It was mint, but I had it. And I gave it away because I knew I knew I was going to, I was going into rehab. I had nowhere to put this shit, so I wound up giving it away to somebody who was in AA. And I remember when we picked up the recliner to bring it out of the house, a bag of weed fell out of it, and I didn't say anything about it, and I left it there, and no one else noticed it. I'm like, all right, cool. So we left, and now so I go to my sister's house. She lends me $20 or gives me 20 bucks. What do I do with it? I bought like fucking eight 99 cent bottle fucking 40 ounces of Old English. So I'm fucking walking. I have like four bottles in each hand, in, in each bag, clanging away, fucking going back to my apartment. And... It was fucked up because at that time I had I had no more living room furniture. I got rid of shit. I threw shit away. I didn't have a lot anyway. I'm sitting in a quiet fucking apartment. There's no TV anymore. My phone is off. Everything is done. Quiet, empty apartment. Sitting up against the wall on the floor. Drinking. And I rolled up that bag of weed. And that's what I did. And I smoked almost all of it. I had a little piece of a joint left. And I wound up drinking like six of the 40s. Sitting there. For hours. And I got a pack of cigarettes too with that money. Needed the smokes. So, next morning, wake up. And I grab my one big bag of dirty laundry that I had. And I walk up to the train with a with a 40 ounce with two 40 ounces and a bag of laundry and a fucking couple of cigarettes left and like a half of a huge big fucking disgusting joint so i walk over to the train and uh i get on the train i have to get to the a train to go to to, to far rockaway for what they called entry which was the in-processing portion of rehab. Entry is approximately three weeks. Um, 
I went in there. I, I, I actually, on the train platform, I went to the end of the train platform and I smoked a couple of tokes of that joint and then I threw it away, smoked a cigarette, cracked open a 40. Now, mind you, this is like 7 o'clock, 7.30 in the morning. There's people going to work and shit and there's me fucking smoking pot and fucking drinking a fucking 40 of Old English on the platform. Degenerate. Fucking degenerate shit, man. Um, so I wind up going to to uh, to Daytop. And I remember before I got to the actual building, I was right on the property of it. And I was like, I have to take a leak. And I have no idea when they're going to let me take a leak. So I put my bag down and I pissed right on the side of the building. And I took my shit and I walked in. And I drop my bags and some girl, receptionist lady, looks at me and I drop my shit. I was like, I'm here. <laughs> like, like, like I was making my grand fucking entrance like they were expecting me or some shit. And she looked at me. She's like, okay, uh, who are you? I'm like, I have an appointment. I think I might be a little late. James Ferrari. Like, uh, she looked around. Oh, okay. So I went through that shit. They make you shower and all that shit. So for three weeks, I'm in this fucking place. It used to be an old nursing home, but it was just a fucking, you know, it's just, it's just fucking just a building with fucking nonsense. And you eat and you sit there and you fucking bullshit and this, that, and the other thing. And there's stupid groups and whatnot. So now I'm there for almost three weeks. And there's a time where you wind up getting your... I guess in the military it would be your orders, but you know you'll you'll get you'll get a uh, assigned to where you're gonna go for main upstate treatment. And there was three places you were able to go. Um, all of them were upstate New York. Um, one was called Parksville. One was Swan Lake, and one was called Springwood. And everybody hated or did not want to go to Springwood because the director of things up there, I heard, was a tyrant. So, of course, where do I go? Motherfucking Springwood. Rhinebeck, New York. So, yeah, all right, well, whatever. So I go up there and... Uh, <laughs> I'm, in a, I'm in a daytop van with like seven other people. And we're all going up there. It's about a two-hour drive upstate. Nice, nice. So now we we pull up, and now this place, it's like a it's a huge, huge, huge piece of property. And the main house is an old Roosevelt mansion. It's beautiful. It's fucking enormous. Um like there's a basement, first floor, second floor, third floor, and like a smaller attic where there was offices. So it's like four full floors in this huge fucking it's huge. Um then there was the male dorms, which was like they were almost well they weren't bad. I mean it was it was almost like that you were in like a hotel, like in a motel. But there was like I think four different corridors or five different corridors of rooms. Um, then there was the females, which had like a small, there was, they were outnumbered big time. I mean, there was, there was not a lot of females up there. Um, but it was like a cottage. It was like a small little cottage. I don't know. I've never stepped foot in there, but it was some small little building. Very small. Um, so 
but everything that took place in treatment was basically in the main house, which was the mansion. Um, and so we pull up. This place was fucking crazy. We pull up in the van and I don't know what to expect. People will tell you, you know, people tell you things, blah, 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 know, whatever. I walk into this place and I don't see anybody. There's a huge, beautiful, big front main desk and there's wood and there's stone walls and it's beautiful. A marble fucking spiral fucking staircase and it was beautiful. But I walk in and you don't see anybody except for like the front person that's greeting you. But there's people screaming and fucking yelling and cursing and bugging out from every single direction. Upstairs, to my left, to my right, behind the wall that's in front of me. Like there's just screaming chaos everywhere. So wound up, I I wound up going in at the exact same time where there was a thing called encounter groups. <laughs> encounter groups were fucking awesome. <laughs> All right, now some of these things that I'm gonna wind up saying, you're gonna be like, "What the fuck?" Because it's weird language. I'm talking fucking therapeutic community rehabilitation center fucking lingo. All right, but I'll explain and you'll probably get the gist, but this shit is crazy. Um, right, I get there and it's in counter groups. I wind up meeting my, uh, meeting my counselor. His name was Kevin Brown. Um, he wound up eventually after I was already done with upstate treatment, I heard through the campfire, you know, through, 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 you know, through other people that he wound up doing some fucked up shit up there himself. He's a counselor. He wound up like getting let off the property in handcuffs. I don't know what the fuck happened. That's what I heard. Don't know if it's true or not, but that's what I heard. Um, so I'm in this fucking place. Um, I'm in there for a little while and you get these things. You have to get your quote unquote walking papers and you, <laughs> you're, you're a new member, you know, you're a newer member. I think that's what they called you when you first walked in the door and you're assigned to somebody who shows you around and tells you the rules and you get this piece of paper and there's like a chain of command and there's jobs that everybody has and there's, you know, fire, everything from fire exits to certain, certain lingo that they use that, that nobody else uses in the outside world. Um, I don't remember. Oh, his name was Chris something or other who was my, he was, they called him quote, my quote unquote big brother. Okay. So once I get all this shit that's written down on this fucking paper, once I have that organized and he quizzes me and I get everything right, then I can go off and walk around and do whatever the fuck I want on my own. Right. I did that shit like the next day I was done. I was like, I can't be fucking connected at the hip with you. So I'm up there and I wind up, I'm sitting there. I don't know. I'm probably, I don't want to bounce around too much, but there was encounter groups. Now encounter groups were like my favorite because that's, see now you're in a therapeutic community. That's what they called it. <clears throat> and Basically, 
at the height of the winter is when you have the most amount of people. And I think that house capacity was like 250 people. Um, <clears throat> on an average day, let's just say in fucking, I don't know, in fucking April, let's say. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, let's just say in like April. Let's say there's, I don't know, maybe 180 to 200 people in there. Uh, out of all of those, I'm going to say maybe a dozen at the very most of voluntary. I was voluntary. Um, everybody else is mandated through jail. Um, pretty much all, most of them are all just like drug related charges. Um, you know, so you get a program. Um, there was a couple of people in there that wound up coming to the program. And if they fucked up, they go back to jail, no problem, no, you know, without a question. And you're going to do, and you, and you have 15 years flat over your head. And if you fuck up, you're going back to jail and you're doing that 15 years. No more chance of a fucking program, no nothing. Um, so, but it's crazy. I'll get into a story in a little while, but like some people couldn't hack rehab. Like, it's like, all right, you're upstate. There's, you're not in cells. There's no COs. Um, there's three cardinal rules. There's three ways you can get thrown out or set, get sent back to jail. No fucking, which I don't know why the fuck you would even think about fucking anyone in there. <laughs> Good God. Um, no fucking, um, no fighting, and no getting high. You get high, you're fucked. You get caught fucking, you're fucked. And uh, no fighting. You break. They call it. You break physical with anybody. It's a wrap. It's supposed to be a, a quote unquote safe environment. That's what they say. Um. So. But encounter groups is where you would be able to get shit off your chest. Let's just say fucking Joe Jerkoff over there. Like, I so badly want to walk up to him and fucking knock his fucking teeth out. But I know I can't do that because if I have 15 years over my head, I'm going back to jail. Or me in my situation, I'm getting thrown out. I have nowhere to go. So you would have to, they call it drop a slip. You go and you drop a slip. And a couple of little areas in the house, there was like a box and there was like square pieces of paper, like little posted things. It was like two from reason. So I'd be like to Joe Jerkoff from Jimmy fucking Ferrari reason, because I don't like your face or whatever the fuck reason that you're pissed off. So you would hear that a lot. Like, Oh, Oh, you're fucking mad. Oh, yo, go drop a slip. So now once you drop that slip, I think it was like twice a week there was encounter groups and there was other like older people, like not older in age, but people who were in the house longest, they were called older members. They would put together all these encounter groups. Okay. So Joe Jerkoff got a slip thrown, you know, dropped on him by Jimmy douche boy, fucking Robbie fucking hammerhead and fucking Sammy fucking douche nozzle. Okay. Obviously fucking Joe Jerkoff is an asshole. And a lot of people have shit to fucking get off their chest about this guy. 
So we're going to put them all in the same group so that all these people can get the shit off of their chest to Joe Jerk off so that so it doesn't escalate and there's no fights and there's no one gets stabbed in here. So I would drop fucking shit. Uh, <laughs> I would drop slips on staff. <laughs> All kinds of shit. Like, like, yo, like, even though, like, they're just doing their job. But yo, man. And, and it would, oh, I fucking hate saying it, but it would be like, yo, you, you created a feeling in me. That's what that, that that's, that's this fucking lingo shit. Yo, you created me a feeling, you created a feeling in me, man. You know, so now I got to drop a slip on you. And it would be like counselors, like staff. I would be driving, be like, yo, and it's, and you were able, like you had, you would sit on folding metal chairs in a circle, and this would happen all over the house. There's like fucking fifteen rooms all over this fucking huge building, and in every single room, there's a circle of people fucking snapping on each other. Now you're dealing with criminals. You're de you're dealing with drug dealers. You're dealing with people who are hardened fucking from fucking maximum security prisons you're dealing with the the females even the guys i can't even say just the females but the guys you're dealing with crackhead street people schemers stick up kids uh, ho legit hookers street walkers junkies heroin addicts like you're dealing with scheming angry damaged people Myself included, okay? So you get a circle of people who have fucking, who are pissed off at each other. Some shit is hysterical, man. Like, they, you see you see girls fucking flipping out, pulling their own weave out of their head because they're fucking mad, fake teeth flapping around. Like, I would sit there with my arms folded and just rip my fucking bottom lip off and just be laughing because this shit was crazy. What am I doing here now? You know? So encounter groups were bananas. You would sit in a folding chair. You were not allowed to get up out of your chair. And uh, and they also said you can't... If, if someone is running their feelings on you then you you can't you, you have to sit there with your with like your hands like on your legs like on your lap like you can't have your arms crossed because that's a symbol of you not being open to uh you know to receive whatever criticism this fucking jerk off is fucking screaming and yelling because because i don't know maybe i took the last fucking biscuit at fucking breakfast and it made it pissed him off first thing in the morning so he goes and drops a slip and yells at me for like i don't know like like there was shit like that like but little shit like that will escalate sometimes. You know what I mean? Like in jail, like that shit happens. Like people get stabbed over a fucking biscuit at breakfast. So that shit could escalate into something like that in fucking rehab. So I get why. I mean, in counter groups, it's kind of smart to keep the place, I guess, quote unquote, safe. You know, um, there was there was people. um who would do fucked up shit and a lot a lot of a lot of this rehab shit was like they would try to break you out of your old habits and it was all psychological shit some shit i i agreed with and some shit i'm like yeah whatever and i would just like act as if you know whatever okay and just go along with the flow but i don't buy into some of it um but there was certain shit that would happen like um 
uh, fuck, how do I even put this into like some sort of an order? Um, <laughs> oh my God. Um, Basically, uh, a lot of people would call day top. They would say that it stands for doing a year telling on people, because you would you would have you would be you would be expected. It would be expected of you to rat. So it's like, no, nah, it's they 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 tell you that if you see something wrong, like they'll put out a bunch of rules for you. Like small things, like they would be these cans of co like empty coffee cans, and they would give you up there. They would give you four packs of cigarettes a week, Monarchs. That's what they were called. That was the brand. And there were these these empty coffee cans, and if you saw more than three cigarette butts in the can, you were supposed to dump the can into the garbage. Now, if you saw those three butts and you walked past it, you know you're supposed to dump that. So that's supposed to create some kind of a feeling in your gut. That's what they say. Like, okay, you know it. So you're supposed to, ready for this one? You're supposed to, so if you see something wrong and you get that feeling in your stomach, <laughs> you're supposed to respond to the flip of your belly. <laughs> That's that's what they say. Oh, you're supposed to. Oh, I'm supposed to respond to the flip of my belly, because you know that that that's what they used to say. And at first, I'm like, what the fuck? And the next thing you know, it's like for the next 13 months, that's like normal fucking lingo, like fucking ridiculous. But you were supposed to do that, and you were supposed to. Uh, if you knew of anybody doing anything shady, you would have to, like, like basically rat them out. Now, I wasn't doing any of that shit. And I'm just like, how the fuck? And I, and I quickly hooked up and fucking got got together with all the guys that were like like me like fuck out of here like why let's just say i knew that you were smoking a cigarette after whatever time you weren't supposed to outside the dorm if you were outside smoking a cigarette at midnight and you weren't supposed to how is that benefiting me to go tell on you like really Fuck that. I'm smoking a cigarette with you, bro. You know what I mean? Like, fuck all that. So every once in a while, the staff would pick people out and they would give you a yellow fucking legal pad of paper and a pen. And they would say, drop your guilt. Now, it's so funny I'm even talking about this. It's so weird. Drop your guilt. Now, your guilt is supposed to be the shit that you're still holding in your belly because you didn't respond to the flip of your belly. You get it? You get the whole fucking deal that's going on here? So I'm supposed to, and everybody writes the same shit. You know, everyone writes the same guilt. I slipshotted the buck can. I didn't empty the cigarette buck can. Uh... I smoked outside the dorms when I wasn't supposed to. Uh, I 
took food from from you know the the main house and i was eating it in my dorm room like everyone wrote the same shit right but there was some shit that would happen that you can get into a lot of trouble for if somebody knew and they dropped you in their guilt for knowing shit um now I had a, but like, I met my boy Ian up there, and I'm sitting there, and I was drawing, I was doing, I was writing something on these plaques for some reason, and I turn around, and I see this fucking guy, at the time he was a little overweight, I look at him, and he, he looked like an overweight, heavily tattooed Sid Vicious, and I turn around, and he has a shirt on, and it just says, Charlie, don't surf. Colonel Kilgore. I'm like, ah, suck a guy. And he's tattooed his hands, tattoos on his face. Crazy fucking looking dude. I turn around and I kind of smile. I'm like, it's like one of my people right here. <laughs> so right off the bat, Ian being who he is, he's a wise ass. Greatest guy ever, though. He looks over. Now, he's just getting into the house. Like, he's brand new. Like, I don't never seen him before in my life. He had just gotten there. And I was there for maybe like two weeks or three weeks. So, he's a tattoo artist and a damn good one. So, I'm sitting there and I'm drawing. So, he walks over to me. And he looks over my shoulder. He's like, hey, man. I'm like, what's up? He's like, what are you doing? My guy, you know, just drawing out these, you know this stuff on, you know, for whatever. He's like, oh, yeah? He's like, all right. He's like, after I'm done with my paperwork, I'll come back and I'll show you how to do it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah? All right, well, this guy's a fucking clown. All right, cool. So instantly we fucking, like, we kind of, we, we just, you know, it was like, he's my, this is my guy. So he wound up getting, like, one of his his older older brother that give him his walking papers. He's, 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 I don't remember his name, Vincent or something like that. I'm like, yo, don't worry about it. I, I, I'll, I'm taking it over for you. I, I got Ian. Don't worry about it. So me and Ian, you know, hung out, and, he, and we started talking about music and shit, and he was like, you know, I asked him, obviously, if he was into hardcore and shit, and he was like, he's like, yeah, you know, he's like, He's like, uh, you know, a couple of records, you know, like I like older stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, like what? He's like, you know, you know, old Bad Brains and, you know, Chromex, Age of Quarrel. And I was like, oh, yeah, I have those CDs back in my room. He's like, oh, yeah, no shit. So, you know, you're a Chromex and Bad Brains fan and you have a fucking Apocalypse Now Charlie Don't Surf fucking shirt on. And you're kind of like an, a half an asshole, wise ass, but in a funny way. You're my kind of people. Um, so... We wound up fucking hanging out, and then I mean, I'm still friends with him to this day. He's tattooed me several times. Um, so, back to guilt. Um, there was a guy, I'm not going to mention any names. Um, I can't. Um, some of these people might listen to this. Um, so, I'm not going to mention names. But somebody had told me uh, that they like fucked a certain female now listen before i even go any further god bless you <laughs> but you have no idea what you're dealing with in this place 
You're dealing with legitimate crackhead hookers. Legit. There's no fucking condoms. There's no... You're not supposed to be fucking. So... Uh, I I can't wrap my head around any of that, but listen, have at it. <laughs> Good fucking luck, God. But he told me about this, that, and the other thing. Now I'm like, you're fucking crazy. But then in the back of my head, I'm like, why are you telling me this? Like, I don't want to know any of this shit. Because when you're up there... If he tells somebody else, and then he tells somebody else that I know, and then this this gets around, then someone gets a fucking yellow fucking pad put in front of them, and then somebody says somewhere down the line that Jimmy fucking knows about this person fucking this person, then that's a fucking problem up there. You know what I mean? Like how that shit just fucking, everyone's a wash woman. Everyone fucking talks. So it's like it could be a problem. So eventually... You wind up getting, um, once you become trusted up there, I guess, you get, like, these privileges. So I wind up, like, taking people in the daytop van. I wasn't a driver, but I'd go into the van, and I would go back into the city. And I would bring somebody, whoever it would be, I would bring them to, like, their court appointments or... Uh, you know, some kind of a visitation thing or whatever. And I would just have to be like their chaperone, I guess, and make sure that they didn't get high or deviate from wherever they were supposed to go. And I would, you know, I would just be with them. And then we would meet up back with the van, probably at, on 40th Street in Manhattan, and go back upstate. So this happens one day. I'm bringing somebody, I think I was bringing somebody to court. <gasps> And um, we wind up getting back upstate. And I walk in the house. Now, there's this thing called the daytop philosophy that we used to have to all recite in unison every morning, a morning meeting and shit like that. So um, I walk in and there's fucking like eight people sitting on metal folding chairs staring at the wall with a fucking copy of the daytop philosophy right in front of them. So now, once you've seen somebody take a chair, they would say, take a chair. That means that they did something fucked up. One of the cardinal rules are broken. Either they were getting high, they were fucking, or someone fought. And when, usually when you fought, they usually don't take a chair. They usually just call the cops and you're out of there. So I walk into this shit. And as soon as I walk in, there was a counselor, and she was mad cool. She was cool. She, she was rough, but she, she was cool. She wasn't my counselor, but uh, I'm not going to mention her name. I was just about to say her name, but I'm not. But she was, she was a bruiser. And as soon as I walked in, where's fucking Ferrari? And I look up, and she's up on the top of the fucking spirals marble staircase. And I'm like, I'm right here. Grab a fucking chair. I'm like, what the fuck is happening in here? Like, I was in this city all day. I wasn't even in this fucking house. I left at like 7 o'clock in the morning. So I grab a chair. 
And she calls me in a little while later into her office and she gives me a fucking yellow pad. Drop your guilt. I'm like, I don't have no guilt. <laughs> because I didn't feel guilty about anything. <laughs> you drop your guilt. I'm like, what the fuck? All right. I didn't empty the butt can. <laughs> I eat fucking cereal in my room at fucking two in the morning. Yeah, I smoke when I'm not supposed to outside. All the bullshit. All the same shit that everybody used to write. I never fucking admitted anything. Anything. But there were certain people that fucking dropped in their fucking guilt that I knew about so-and-so fucking so-and-so. And I fucking had like this intuition. This I, I'm a very intuitive motherfucker. And I just had it. Once he told me that he did that, I'm thinking in my head, why are you telling me this? Like I have a bad feeling this is going to somehow or another come around and I'm going to get fucking, there's going to be a problem for me. Just for knowing something. So now, but at that time when he told me I was supposed to, according to their rules, I was supposed to go and run some, run to somebody and tell them so-and-so just told me that they're fucking so-and-so. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I don't care about your fucking, your rules of your therapeutic community. I'm not doing that. I'm not a fucking child in, in a schoolyard. Like, I'm not a little girl running to tell mommy and daddy, oh, mommy, they're pulling on somebody's fucking, the back of someone's shirt. And, you know, dad, somebody was doing something wrong. Like, I'm not doing that. So I wind up getting in all sorts of trouble. <clears throat> now, trouble meaning, there was four different things that can happen to you. If you didn't, I, besides the, you know, the, uh, the three cardinal rules that can get you thrown out, you can do shit and there's different variations of punishments <laughs> and they were called shot downs. <clears throat> you can get shot down to four different things, like little stupid things you can do. I don't I can't even really give you examples, but you can get shot down, like talking back to a staff member. I guess you can get shot down to what was called the dish pan where it's all the trays and the dishes that, you know, everybody uses for breakfast, lunch, and dinner in this whole place. And it's, you know, you basically, you're taking everything and you're just running it through a machine and you're putting it onto racks and that's it. But that's like a three day shot down. Go to the dish pan, go respond, respond to the dish pan. <laughs> all right. That was like three days, I think. The next offense, you can get shot down to the pot sink, which you're in the kitchen and you're scrubbing pots and trays and all kinds of baked on, cooked on fucking shit that, you know, in the kitchen. That's like a week long, but you'll be there for like four days. And then after you're there for four days, then you go down to the dish pan for three days and then you get off your shot down. Okay. Okay, let that sink in there for a second. Because I know, see, I know all this like the back of my hand, but I know it's, it's, unless you've been in something like this, you know what I'm talking about. The third worst thing, you can get shot down to the grounds. Now, the grounds is pretty much like what it is. You're outside um, mowing lawns, planting fucking shit, painting shit. You could be, you know, you could be outside doing whatever and that's for like three weeks so you do that all that 
for like two weeks. And then after your two weeks, you have to account to staff to ask to go to the pot sink. You do that for four days. And then you go to the dish pan. And then you go off your shot down. But mind you, this is, you you're waking up at like six o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the morning, and you're getting off the floor is what they call it. The, when when you you're on the floor, you're at the main house. When you get off the floor, you you're at you're out of the main house and you're back in the dorms. So for like three weeks, you'll be doing fucking. If you're shot down to grounds, it's like three weeks. And after that is the worst one, and you get shot down to spare parts. Which is basically what it kind of sounds like. Spare parts, anything and everything around you. Doesn't make a difference what it is. They can fucking make you do anything. Anything. I swept sunshine off of a rock. (laughs) True story. Yeah. Go over there and sweep the sunshine off the rock. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about standing there feeling and looking like a jerk off. But I was laughing. And I'm like, yeah, and I was making a joke out of him. I'm like, hey, look at this. Look at me over here. I'm sweeping sunshine off a fucking rock. Ridiculous. All right, so now those are four shot downs. You have the dishpan, the pot sink, the grounds, or spare parts. Spare parts, that's a month. That's a month, man. It's not fun. Especially if it was the winter time. So now, all this shit comes out about me knowing about this person. So, like four days goes by, I don't hear nothing. And then next thing you know, I hear Ferrari grab a chair. Oh my God, what the fuck? So now, they, there was these things called, they would give you a haircut. But it wasn't a haircut. It was... I think it was four of the people in the house, people that you live with amongst every day, and a counselor. And they're in a row in front of you. Counselor is in the middle, two two people on each side of them, or her. There was a couple of female counselors, I think like three of them. And you would walk into this room, they would call you would knock once, and they would call you in, and you would walk in, you would unfold your your metal chair and you would sit down and you would look at them and you would have to be quote unquote open so you'd have to have your hands on your knees and you're looking and me I can't hold a straight fucking face so I'm sitting in here and Ian is one of these fucking people on this little panel that's in front of me and I look at him and I just thought lights fucking I laugh inside so now what they do is they basically tell you what the fuck you did wrong and you should take a look at yourself and understand what you did wrong and blah, 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 blah. Sometimes it gets heated. Sometimes it's almost like an encounter group, but I can't say anything. The person who's getting the haircut can't say nothing. It's all one-sided. So now I'm in there getting a haircut for the guilt shit that was dropped on me over so-and-so fucking good god banging whoever the fuck i don't even remember who she was um he told me her name and at the time i remembered but i i'm not even sure because there was so many crazy things that happened on in in that house so turns out like like this one kid james 
who was my boy. He was my contract. He was like my negative contract. Now, all these people that were in front of me, they were called contracts. If you, if, if, if you knew shit about each other that you're supposed to rat on each other, but you don't tell, that's your contract, right? That's, that's, they called it. All of these people in this room are my contracts. We all knew shit about each other that if we were rats, we could drop in guilt. But they're yelling at me for knowing about this other shit. So I'm like, it's just so hypocritical and nonsensical. And, and they're all like my boys are in this thing yelling at me. And they all did it on purpose to fuck with me. So like my boy James is screaming and yelling at me. And I'm looking at my out of like my peripheral vision. And I see Ian. And Ian is like fucking making faces at me and he's pointing at me and he's giving me the finger and shit like that, like all on the sneak. But I see all this shit and then he's trying to make me laugh and I can't laugh. So I'm ripping my shit apart again. Like you all suck. So bottom line, I wind up getting shot down to spare fucking parts for knowing about somebody fucking somebody in this dirtbag fucking thing that I'm in. Crazy. So there was this thing called, uh, I think it was called an LEO, a learning experience officer. And all this fucking person was, was another fucking crackhead, drunk, homeless junkie or whoever the fuck that was living amongst all of us that would have like, quote unquote, power for a day. And they would have like a sheet and they would let, you know, they would, they would, you know, fucking dictate what you did. Now, there was one guy. His name was Santo. I won't say his last name. But he was such a little fucking shit. He was such a shit. Everybody wanted to choke fucking Santo. And he didn't like me, and I didn't like him. Because I was like, go fuck yourself. Like, just go fuck yourself. I blew him up in fucking encounter group a million times. Like, if if nobody pissed me off, just for no reason, I would just throw, drop a slip on Santo. Because I, he could always just get some fucking anger out of me. Because he just had that kind of a fucking face. You know? <laughs> so, he becomes the fucking... The, 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 the learning experience officer jerk off. Right? Like the foreman on the job, you know what I mean? But come on, man, stop it. So he fucking was overseeing me one day. And I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Because now this jerk off can like fucking boss me around and get away with it. And I know this little fucking cocksucker is going to take advantage of that. So I walked, I walked into the day pissed off. So it's like breakfast time. It's like five five thirty in the morning. There's maybe fifteen people. Not not even at this point. It's really early. Eating breakfast in the main house. And here comes fucking Santo. All fucking five two of them with his chest out, with this face on like ha, I got you now kind of shit. So he's like Ferrari. And I just turned around and I fucking snap. Now, you can't do this because it's not encounter group. You can't do it. And thank God there was no other snitches in the room at the time. Because I threatened this motherfucker with his life. I told him I would stab him in his face. 
it was bad. I, I was not. I didn't have my first cup of coffee. I was pissed off because I'm fucking. I'm fucking shot down because of some other shit that had nothing to fucking do with me. And now this little fuck. Yeah. So I was heated. Um. I think I didn't have cigarettes at the time, and cigarettes were huge up there because it was a stressful place. You just need to smoke. So I wanted to fucking kill this fucking guy. So he goes and runs. And he tells a coordinator. Now, a coordinator is one step below an older member. And it's a job that you get. And a coordinator can, like, I don't even know what the fuck their job was. I was never a coordinator. I got right up to older member. But they were basically the person that would, you know, uh, relay the message to staff if something bad goes down. So Santo goes and runs up to the coordinator and it just so happened that my boy James, who was in the haircut, who's my boy, who was the guy who was in one of the panel when I got shot down, uh, he was the coordinator that day. So, and he hated Santo also. So Santo runs up and now, it was a cardinal rule I broke because I threatened him with physical harm. I told him I was going to stab him in his face. <laughs> so he runs to fucking the coordinator's office, tells James, fucking Ferrari, fucking stab me, fucking wanted to stab me and threaten me. James is like, all right, man. All right, don't worry about it. I got you. I got you. I got you. He writes it all down. Santo walks out, fucking rips it up and throws it in the garbage. Nobody ever knew nothing, which was good because then, then it would have been a lot of, you know, big problem. But yeah, but he was my negative contract and he got me out of shit. And now back to Ian, Ian ruled because everybody took advantage of Ian because he can draw. And myself, I can't fucking draw. I, I, I could draw, but nowhere near like like fucking Ian. And Ian still to this day calls me, I'm, I'm, he's Batman and I'm his Robin. Fucking asshole. <laughs> he calls me a tracer. Ian, if you're listening, you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but but it caught wind like the director this guy Larry who wound up being really fucking cool the original tyrant guy that originally was in the house he was only there for like a month and then he wound up leaving and we got a new guy and he was really cool he was cool his name was Larry um, I'm not going to say his last name but he was a big Rolling Stones fan and a really really big Pittsburgh Steelers fan so me I'm like, all right, I can get on this guy's good side. All I got to do is talk football and ask him a couple of Rolling Stones questions. And, you know, we got a nice little rapport going. So I did that. I was a huge Jets fan at the time. The Jets and the Steelers were playing fucking in the playoffs and shit. So I had bullshit with him and, and it was cool. He was an Italian guy. He was a nice guy. So uh, everyone caught wind that we can draw. So we wind up becoming just me and Ian were like a two-man team and it was just called special projects now what special projects was that was a direction right from the head director you two are special projects which ruled because that means we don't respond to any groups we don't respond to nothing unless we are told by the director to do so other than that you are special projects now all we did we painted, but not painting walls like the fucking, like, like painting. We like, we're painting lettering and 
there was so many projects that we did on the wall with like gold leaf paint and all this stuff we had scaffolding set up in the middle of like the main dining room over this huge 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 fucking fireplace and we did like the whole daytop philosophy with these ornate lettering and there was so much stuff that we did and we pretty much made our own schedule too fuck it this is this is a direction from the fucking director Go fuck yourselves, everyone. Oh, encounter group? Oh, this kind of group? Oh, you're going there? How about fuck you? I'm going to scribble somewhere on a wall like a child. <laughs> so we would, we, I would be, uh, we would sleep until three o'clock in the afternoon. We would go onto the main floor at like four and leave the main floor when everyone was coming on in the morning. So we just went nights. We just went fucking graveyard shift. So we were alone. We blast. I remember for all, from, from, from now on, the song Riot from the fucking Dead Kennedys will always remind me of fucking Daytop and the special project shit that me and Ian did. The Bad Brains, the Dead Kennedys... Especially the dead Kennedys will always fucking remind me of fucking Springwood. Because that's what we were blasting all fucking night long. Brewing pots of coffee in the kitchen by ourselves. Smoking whenever we wanted. Fucking just, we had this mansion to ourselves. So, uh, yeah. But rehab was cool. It was, uh, it was what it was. I fucking wound up getting seven years sober behind that. Um, but then once I rotated out, it was 13 months I was up there. Um, 13 months to the day, I believe. And you go back down to Far Rockaway where you started off. And it was called uh, re-entry. And also kind of like re-entry into society. And you had to stay there for a couple of weeks. And then if you got a job, cool. And I wound up getting a job with the fucking baby rhino. My sister's fucking husband. But it was shit money. And the guy fucking hardly even paid me. So it was it was like a fucking problem for me. Because now I have to prove that I'm working. But I have no money to prove it. And he had to fucking come to the fucking rehab. The, the, down to, to down to Rockaway to prove this and that. Because he was a shit businessman. He's a fucking loser. And he created... Yeah, he, oh, yeah, yeah, you could work for me. Go break your ass. For like $8 an hour on the books. And then, oh, well, I need to get... I need to wait to get paid from the homeowner... In order to pay you. But it's like, motherfucker. Like, I'm in a situation here where I have to prove that I'm working, you jerk off. Like, you fucking... My mother used to call him the slug. That slug. That's what he was. I call him a baby rhino. My mother used to call him the slug. Fucking asshole. So, I wind up... Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm down in Far Rockway again for, for maybe like a month tops. And then I'm like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. So I wind up going back and living with my sister. But like, and, and him, just to get out of there. Because they wanted to hold me hostage in there. And I'm like, yo, I'm fucking violent. I could have left fucking two days after I fucking came into this motherfucker 13 months ago. You know? So 
at this point where I'm already done with main treatment and I'm only just trying to get out of here and trying to do the right thing and get my own apartment on my own and all this shit. And now you're like, they're fucking with me and they're restricting my time and what hours I can work and shit. So I start catching an attitude like, yo, what the fuck? Like, like, this is a bunch of bullshit. And some lady, I don't even know who she fucking was. She was some counselor. She's like, oh yeah. She's like, go to the pot sink. And I looked at her. I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking running. Just like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking running there. Watch me. And she's like, oh, you or your attitude. I'm like, no, well, you know what? How about go fuck yourself? I'm like, because in fucking treatment, the fucking, the, the whole supposed reason, it's not a punishment. It's a learning experience that you're supposed to think about the wrong thing you did while you're fucking working, which is such bullshit. So I ran her own line of bullshit back on her. I'm like, oh, yeah, why you sent me to the pot What did I fucking do wrong? Because I'm asking you fucking questions because I want to get the fuck out of here and do the right fucking thing. So I did something wrong. So you're going to send me to the pot for a fucking week? Yeah, watch me. I'm fucking running. And they were like, oh, we well, Ferrari, you have an attitude. I'm like, yeah, hey, go on. You go fuck yourself with my attitude. How's that? So I grabbed all my shit and I fucking bounced. And there was nothing they could do. I had nothing over me. I had no fucking warrants. I, you know what I mean? So I bounced. And I went to my fucking sisters. And then, yeah. And I touched on all of that in episode 49. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. I hope this is entertaining. I have no fucking idea. The last one, episode 49, I had no idea if you would like it, if you were bored by it, if you were still listening. I have no idea. This one, I feel like it's a dud. I have no idea. Maybe it rules. Maybe it's interesting. Maybe it stinks. Who the fuck knows? But, uh, so yeah, I mean, those are some shit, you know, some things I just wanted to touch on. Um, I knew I wanted to say about my surgery thing because, you know, I was talking a lot about how, you know, how I was drinking a lot in that, in that other episode. And yes, I had two major surgeries due to legitimately directly linked to drinking too much. Um, yeah, it was bad. Um, Two of them, two surgeries, major surgeries. Um, yeah, um, I mean, there's not too much about the Air Force I would really able to really touch them. I mean, I could sit here and tell war stories all day long, but then again, they get boring. Uh, oh, great! Oh, yeah, I got hammered and this happened, and I got into an argument with this person, and there was a little fight here, and the, but there's nine thousand of those. Like, the, 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 I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not gonna sit and tell war stories and, and sit here and try to glorify any of it. Like I talk about shit like you know, like some of the shit that I did and you know, I laugh about it now, but it got me into some really fucked up predicaments and it and, and honestly my life would have been a hell of a lot fucking different, guaranteed, if I didn't fucking decide to fucking drink and do drugs. You know? I I, I kinda look at those people that are actually functioning, you know, functioning people who, who are I, I would love to be able to go to a bar and sit there and have, I don't know, four, five, six beers and watch a ball game and not have my life fucking crumble around me within a month from that. I would love to, but I can't do that. So all the people, that's why I would never be able to preach. I can't preach. Fuck out of here. You know, people who quit smoking cigarettes and the next thing you know, they tell you, oh, you know, you should stop smoking cigarettes. How about you go fuck yourself? How's that? How about that? So I would never be like, oh, you don't drink, don't drink. But if you have a problem, try to get yourself help. 
other than that, man, listen, if you're a responsible father, you know, or, or mother, and you're able to fucking, you know, you treat your family well, and you're able to go out to a bar and throw a couple of back, a couple back, more fucking power to you, as long as you always do the right fucking thing. You're entitled to fuck. if you break your ass, you're entitled to fucking relax and have your own little time and relax and enjoy a fucking couple of fucking drinks. You know, I wish I can do that. I can't, unfortunately, but hey, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So instead, I sit here in my fucking bedroom and I drink coffee like a fucking junkie and I talk into my phone like a fucking weird kid, you know? That's what I do now. But, um, yeah, uh, I just want to thank, I want to thank, hopefully you guys like the new intro. Um, uh, well, the, I'm actually, when I'm recording this right now, I'm waiting on my boy to, uh, to hook me up with, with, with the new intro. Yes, it's different. Um, but I'm trying to switch things up over here. Um, I guess I'm taking this. I'm taking this podcast into. I I don't think I've ever had. You know, it started out obviously as like a hardcore thing. I guess maybe. Um, but I'm not limiting myself. You know. Um, maybe it'll always kind of be along the lines of a hardcore podcast. I don't know, but you know, because some of the people that I will have on in the future and people that I had you know, are, in fact, you know, associated with the hardcore community scene, whatever the fuck you want to call it, um, or extreme music, or whatever the fuck you want to say, even though I fucking hate those terminologies, all three of those, hardcore community, hardcore family, hardcore scene, extreme music, I hate all that shit, Uh, it's just whatever, so I'm gonna, you know, I have a lot of diverse people that, uh, I have about... Right now, I have about a dozen confirmed, we just have to set times and whatnot, I have about a dozen confirmed episodes and one-on-ones and all that stuff, um, so, yeah, so, shout out to my boy, Joe Lithic, for, for the beats and the new intro, um, he was recommended to me by... My boy Joe, Mr. Chops from the Delta Bravo Urban Exploration Team, uh, to put the little Delta Bravo Danny Boy House of Pain stamp on it. No, it's not a House of Pain beat, but if I don't know if you'd follow me on social media or not, but there's the Delta Bravo Urban Exploration Team, which is Danny Boy's Urban Exploration Team deal, and uh, so I bullshit with a lot of those guys and. Joe Schellinger, who is Mr. Chops34, I believe, on Instagram. He's from Philly. Once again, props to Philly fucking people. Stand up fucking people who say what they fucking mean and do what they fucking say they're going to do. Can't say that for a lot of people. Um, Yeah, so he recommended uh, this guy, Joe, who, so, so I linked up with him and I, you know, he's hook me up with the fucking intro so thanks again i'm rambling on about that but thanks again man um yeah so with that once again go to uh instagram blast runners productions hit that link and you know and and listen i don't ask for nothing um i appreciate everybody who listens but if you listen on itunes please just rate it 
just give you a little, quote, little rate and, and just write a couple of fucking words and review it. It helps me get more visible. It's considered, it's considered activity on my iTunes account. So it puts me up. So other it, so it gets more visible to more listeners. Okay. So that's all I ask. If you, if you, if you listen on iTunes, just give a quick rate and review. Next time you're in the bathroom taking a dump, just fucking do it. Instead of scrolling on about and reading the same nonsense about fucking people bad-mouthing fucking political figures. It's fucking corny. And that's another thing. I'm, I'm, like, this show, this podcast, whatever you want to call it, it'll never be any of that. I'm never going to be talking about social justice warrioring or Trump or Hillary Clinton, or any of that shit. I'm just not. Because you can go right on your Facebook fucking page and fucking see all that shit. Meaningless shit at the end of the day, okay? So, I'm not going to rehash the same bullshit that's going on. Because at the end of the day, it means fucking zero. Alright? So, alright, I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you again for everybody who's listening. Um, like I said, if you want to hit me up and ask me about certain things, but I'm not going to do a part three. I'm just not. Um, I was surprised that I even did a part two. I just wanted to fill some people in on some things that they that they actually asked me to fill them in about. Um, you know, people also ask me about, uh, you know, how I got into the hardcore scene and this and that and the other thing. I've said that several times on prior podcasts. You know, am I going to name every show that I've ever been to? No. You know, it was basically, I grew up a little fucking metalhead, and then I saw a fucking leeway by accident, and then I turned into a hardcore kid, and that's that. You know, I, I, can't, I can't really elaborate too much on that, you know. You know, big into hip-hop, too. You know, not like new radio play shit, but a lot of underground stuff. Why? Because it's the same kind of street mentality type shit. Underground hip-hop, as hardcore is. It's angry music coming from the streets, shit like that. So... Other than that, like, there's really nothing, you know, if you specific questions you want to hit me up and you know, post on my wall, whatever, whatever the fuck it's called, my timeline, my wall, my whatever, Instagram, then you ask me whatever you want, and I'll answer all that stuff, all right? So, uh, with that, um, I'm going to go grab myself another cup of coffee, and uh, I will, um, next up, I believe I'm going to be doing a one-on-one -on -one with somebody, and then there will be another full episode. Well, actually, my one-on-ones, they're going to be, they're going to be lengthy. They'll be a half hour minimum, okay? Um, so, that's what we're going to do. That's what I'm going to do. And, uh, other than that, once again, everybody, thanks for listening, and, uh, I'll be talking to you soon. I'm over here now. Later.